What do you do when confronted with a challenge in life, as we all are from time to time? Do you question your self-worth and doubt the value you add to this world? Or do you recognize your own imperfections and love yourself just as you are? Flawed, but strong. Willing to take a risk, put yourself out there, and be your authentic self. The choice belongs to you. This is Confident Closers with Anna Maria Sanin. Welcome to another episode of Confident Closers. Your host, Anna Maria Sanin, with my co-host, Kevin Jimeno. And we are super excited to be here with you today on this episode. Um, Thank you for tuning in. Today, we have a really special guest. Um, Not only an an industry friend, but... uh, Well, I met her in the industry, but I I really um, see her more than just uh, an industry relationship. Um, She has been a mentor and uh, continues to be my mentor And her name is Christine Beckwith. Many of you know her already. Uh, She uh, is currently running her own company, 2020 Vision for Success Coaching. Uh, She was recently, for many years, with Annie Max. She was the VP of Sales. And I'll just let her tell you more about her career. But most importantly, uh, what I want to focus on today is her last book, Breaking the Cycle, um, because this book really speaks about her life journey and um, stories, experiences that have made who she is today. And so I'm really excited to go deep into Christine's story and have her share more. So with that said, welcome everybody. Kevin, how are you? How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Hey, Kevin, you're in for a treat as well because you have not heard Christine's story. So I'm really excited that you are going to uh, be listening and learning more about it as well. I've heard about the legend, but I haven't heard it straight (laughs) directly from the horse's mouth. (laughs) Well, thanks for having me. Christine, thank you for being here. We're so excited. I know your crazy, busy schedule. So... Honestly, I really, really appreciate that you uh, have taken the time to uh, share Absolutely. with the listeners um, here of Confident Closer. So, um, Christine Beckwith, hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, I'm super excited to be one of your first guests on this brand new, what I know will be explosive podcast. Um, as soon as I saw you put your toe in the water, I was like, oh, hell, here we go. Because I know for a fact, uh, I know your heart, um, having worked with you, you know, and obviously mentored you as a coach. Um, I just know you're the real deal. So I know, you know, what everyone in the world is figuring out as we speak, listening to these podcasts is just, you know, your mind, your strategic um, you know, brilliant in a lot of ways. You're branding, you're ahead of your time, I think, in many ways. Um, and so I think it's, you know, makes perfect sense to me that you would also forge forward into an area like this that gives more rich content in the form of voice content that we know uh, and the power of that. So I'm just happy to be one of your first choices. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all that. Uh, and yes, we, so we share the same excitement. So awesome. I know this is going to be an amazing podcast. Um, so Christine, let's just get started. I read um, your book as soon as it launched. I remember you're like, oh, guys, it's an Amazon. I'm like, all right, I'm going for it. Anyhow, great read. 
uh, very engaging, easy to read, um, easy to identify with, um, just amazing. So why don't you start uh, by sharing uh, how the book came about and then perhaps we can jump into the story. Sure. And we're talking about breaking the cycle when you say book, right? We are, yes. Yes, I know okay. A couple other ones, breaking the cycle. <laughs> just making sure. I know, because you've been with me with all of them. So I'm just like perfectly making sure. Yeah, you know, I, well, first of all, the funniest things happen when you don't plan for them. Let's start there. Like we can plan for all all kinds of things, but this book came into my life sideways. And so the backstory is kind of like this. Um, I grew up on this back road in this rural New Hampshire, central New Hampshire town that was extremely affluent. To this day, that town houses the highest uh, average loan sales for homes in the state of New Hampshire. So opulence. Uh, and it was mainly occupied by out-of-staters that were wealthy and their multi-million dollar homes that sat uh, in the foothills of the White Mountains um, on beautiful Lake Winnipesaukee. And so I was blessed to have grown up in this beautiful, beautiful area. Um, the hard part of the story is that we were kind of that other side of the tracks, you know, uh, street in the town that might not quite have fit in with the rest of the, you know, eco level of, you know, the economy. And um, we turned that into something really wonderful in this book because what we do is we begin myself and one of the other little girls, there were eight kids that lived in this neighborhood that stretched about a half a mile um, and, you know, the journey of us eight are, is an interesting story because, you know, we went to school every day on a school bus and we sat in a school that was magnificent, but it really became a, uh, you know, a challenge when you're a child, you understand your econ economic deficits. You know, I think people listening right now, if you've ever known a child that, had less or was a child that had less, you're very aware of your deficits as a child. Now, I want to just say the book opens up and honors both sets of our parents. This other little girl that lived next to me, Wendy, um, and I would write this book together. You know, her parents were her dedication. My parents were my dedication. So we want to, we always want to say to you, we had parents who were rich in faith rich in moral fiber, rich in morality. And we sat for dinner and we went to church on Sundays and our homes were clean and they worked every day and the bills were paid. But we just, you know, my parents were teenage pregnancy and her father was a disabled Vietnam veteran. And if you went down the row, I'm sure every home that was there um, told a story of why, you know, we were in that spot, you know, economically speaking. But we grew up our whole lives with a front row seat to a life we could not participate in. You know, the ski uh, clubs, the golf clubs, just the clothing was a challenge to like go and fit in and not get beat up. You know, the boys took the brunt of that. They, you know, we as girls, we kind of got left alone to some regard, even though the whispers and the whatnots in the in the peripheral. So you know, the way the story, this book unfolds is that um, 20 years after I left for college, 
um, I would run into Wendy at a scholarship dinner at my high school. And she was there. Her father had just passed and she had established a foundation in his memory. And she was there giving away money. I had had a friend, lifelong friend that had died of AIDS. I had created a foundation in his name and I was there giving away scholarship money. So what I will tell you is that, you know, we find each other way into the story and we realized the similarities. First of all, we were driving the exact same car. We both had the same, we both had one child, one male, single child. She had become a world-renowned doctor. She had written uh, a big part of the vaccination doctorate and the Association of Nurse Practitioners Guide for America. And so she had become famous as a doctor. I had become a top 2% female executive in banking. And of course, you know, that was my claim to fame, having ri- risen through those ranks. And so in our respective careers, we, were, we had really come high and we had paid it back. So this book begins at that 20-year mark where we reunite and we start to talk about our lives and the similarities and the roads. And we went to dinner and then she just introduced the idea. I had written my other two books the previous two years. I was not writing a book this year. I had made up my mind I wasn't writing a book. And she said, don't you think that, you know, we should write a book about our story and, and, and give something back to kids so that they know that their start does not define them. Yeah. And, and the book was born from there. So I read the book, uh, like I said earlier, uh, great book. I have a question, right? Because you talk about, and you just briefly touch a little bit, right? Like growing up, right? Uh, being completely oblivious, let's just say that, you know, to to having less than, at least when you were little, right? Because your parents always, like you guys, you never, there was nothing ever, anything missing. I mean, love was there. Parents were, everything was there. Yeah. Um. So as you look back, right, how do you, how do you, how, do you feel at this point in your life, do you feel any different uh, being able to look back and, 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 and maybe see, looking at it from a cup half full, you know, your journey, your story and how it is so, it was so important as far as your life. Like, does it, are you looking back at it now? Is it feel any different? Do you feel any different versus maybe when you were in it then yeah. getting out? Yeah, you know, there was a very short period of time in my life where I felt self-pity. You know, I would tell you that that existed. I don't know when we come into our feelings as kids, you know, but maybe between the ages of like eight and 12, I felt sad for myself that I was in that situation. And what would happen is, you know, my Wise Eyes book, um, which I'm really proud of, which tells, opens up, that book opens up with a story about my student council president in sixth grade who notices during um, an assembly when they announced that they're going to have a democratic process for student council, he, he ends up calling me to his office because I don't go and I sign up for it. And he asked me why I don't. And I tell him, well, you know, I don't have any money is my answer, my sixth, my sixth grade answer to my principal. And he said, you don't need money to do this. And I thought, well, I'm not popular. And I gave him all the reasons why I wasn't going to do this thing. And so that begins to mold me because I realized the power of someone else's belief in you. You know, when someone believes in you, he, he taught me that lesson really young. And so I begin to change as a person because of the sculpting of some other adult that enters into my life and tells me how great I am and how wonderful I am and how I'm special. 
And dare I, you know, begin to think this and I will enter into that race and I end up winning that race. And so what happens from that point in Wise Eyes in that book is that I begin to tell you the series that takes me all the way to the helm of H&R Block's senior vice presidency, where I get written about in New York City as being the highest ranking women in banking. And so, you know, I think I lacked confidence going into that race. And it goes right back to my sixth grade self, where I have to tell myself that I, I am worthy and I could do it and I should put my mind down. And so my life, you know, I, I now, I got past that part and I never felt sorry again. I just began to realize that when you put your head down and you worked hard and you came from a good place, you know, my dad is a faithful man. And so I don't mind telling you, you know, when I left for college, he wrote, he gave me the family Bible, which had been in his family for generations. He wrote on a piece of paper and, the, and what he wrote is now tattooed on my arm. And it says, have faith, be strong and believe. And so he slipped that piece of paper into the Bible. And you know what? Those words, he has no idea. Like people don't know what the power is of words and telling somebody something like in my darkest moments when I didn't call dad in my adulthood and I was having a hard time, you know, what, whatever that was, I would call on those words and I would think about what those words meant and what he had said to me as he like, let me take flight from, from home. And, you know, the other thing he said was live with purpose. I have that on my other arm. And so he said to me, you know, if you drive from a place where you care about people, then you'll always have abundance. Because what brings us happiness and what makes us rich is when people see us for rich in character. We are wealthy when people look at us and they see the character of our souls and, you know, we're giving. And so people just, I'll, I'll end by saying this on this question. People watched me leave the banking industry three years ago. I was making a lot of money, money that I spent my whole career trying to get to and climb mountains and prove my, you know, stretch and prove my, to myself how far I could go. And I gave that all away to be the coach of this company, to be the president of a company that every day serves professionals in their life coaching and their businesses and their mental anguishes and whatever it is. And so I have found that I truly, you know, even though that leap, believe me, that last check I had when I resigned, I remember looking at it and I thought, you know, here I go. I had somebody send me that Kevin, um, that Steve Harvey video jump, where if you have never seen it, I hope everybody that's listening right now to this podcast will go to YouTube and just put in Kevin Harvey and jump. But he basically says, when you're at the edge of the cliff and you think everything in your mind is trying to pull you back, that the only way you're going to take flight is to jump and put your arms out and just soar. And so standing there with that last paycheck, I remember doubting what I was doing and thinking, what am I doing? Like I'm starting a company from the ground up and blah, blah, blah. And then I just did it. I just jumped. And, you know, the rest is history. I'm, I'm here. The book has been written. We, we put 14 words into this book. Each chapter is the start of a word. The book opens up with the word hope. And then in each chapter, Wendy and I both write and we write, it's clear which sections are which. It says Wendy on the word hope. And then it says me on the word hope. 
And she shares what hope meant to her as a little girl and what it means to her today as an adult. And I did the same. And then at the end of each chapter, there's a lesson where it turns to the audience and says, what does hope mean for you? And where does hope play a role in your life? So, you know, again, paying it forward. Um, it's funny because I just, I never thought this would be how my life would go. Um, but I'm really proud of where I am today. Um, you know, my bank account could be bigger. I could have stayed in the mortgage industry and reaped the benefits of that. Instead, I'm going to get to create some legacy here that I hope will be valuable, you know. And I love it. And Kevin, if you want to jump on, because I have a whole bunch of things that I want to say. So <laughs> I, you know, I want to give you some floor. Actually, time. yeah, I'm curious, Christine, was this book written before you made the jump into what you're currently doing and you left the corporate big check job or did you write it after? I wrote it the year after. And so it just was really, so this is funny, but when I wrote Wise Eyes, um, I had I had to shut down H&R Block's mortgage division after 12 years. And it was a painful time in my life. I had to let 1,200 people go from work. This is 2007 during the mortgage implosion. I, I thought I'd retire there. And here's what I've learned about writing. We write the most beautiful words when we're hurting. And so what happens out of pain is our rawness. You know, today I had to do a video to 800 some odd students that are coaching with us about Jenna leaving. And I almost didn't do it because I'd been crying the hour before and my eyes are puffy and everything. And I thought, you know what? I've taught everybody to be real. I've said to be honest, there's no shame in this. So I'm just going to get on the video and I'm just going to talk and I'm going to say what's happening and blah, blah, blah. So I will tell you that, you know, I don't know, these, these words have saved me. I would tell you in all the books that I've written, you know, uh, again, not to sound promo, but like the middle book that I didn't plan on writing this one, Clear Boundaries, is about two of my um, colleagues that were murdered. And so did I think, you know, at 25, I'd write a safety book for women, you know, a modern day safety book for women? No, but, you know, until you're sitting in the rawness of pain and you don't know how to, for me, Words have helped me crawl out of places where I could turn it into something positive and, and allow me to just pivot and, and, and put that focus on, on stuff. And I'm not done. Let me tell you, I got more um, from where that came from for some reason. So, Oh, I know you got more. <laughs> <laughs> well, so here's my thing, uh, Mike. Well, what I, what I want to um, state that I got, you know, so... First of all, we have a choice, right? And I, you know, looking at you, right? And I'm assuming people who know you and and women who have reached a level of success, right? Um, you, I mean, you, you like you said, H and R Block. You were, you know, you you got to the top in that industry and that within that company. Then from there, you know, now you're 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 being shifted now going to Animac, and then same thing. You were there ten plus years and. And we're able to take, you know, uh, reach, reach the top of the top. Now, you would think that, you know, somebody who is so confident and, you know, has it all together and, you know, and, and has ran successful businesses, has made the income that she's wanting to make, you know, and now is running this successful uh, coaching platform, you would never 
I guess as an outsider, as women, you know, we would look in and say, oh my gosh, you know, I wish I could be doing what she's doing, but because of my story, because of my journey, because of what happened, you know, and then we start justifying, you know, that we are not where we want to be because of what life brought to us, you know, what, what, what the journey was. And so what I'm hearing from you here and what I'm taking from this, you know, it's a choice on how we look at our circumstances and um, that's what I'm getting right. And, 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 yeah. and the importance as parents to instill, um, to instill uh, positivity, faith, to instill courage, to instill um, happiness, you know, no matter the outside circumstances, right? And then you choosing uh, then to, to look at your situation, not as a victim, but acknowledging it and then soaring, you know, uh, as you have been ever since. Yeah, you know, I think I, at some point during, you know, some of the dark spots in my life, I would look to God and question why, which I think is natural. I mean, there's real tragedy out there when we look around. You know, it's not hard to find somebody else that has it worse than we do, no matter who you are or where you are in life. There's somebody out there that's hurting in a different way. Somebody that's lost their child, God forbid. Somebody that's losing a parent. Somebody that's lost a spouse tragically, like, you know, none of us are getting out of this world without hurt. You know, we're not, we're not going to leave here without losing our loved ones in some way. And so if it hasn't happened to us yet, and not to sound morbid, it's going to. And so the question then becomes, what are you going to do when you hit that intersection? So I've had some terrible intersections in my life. I don't think it makes me in a worse place than other people. It's just that my time to experience some really hard stuff came early in my life and and in different spots in my life. And I'm going to tell you, when I would ask the question why, it took me a long time in my 20s into my 30s. And then it started to make sense to me because I really believed when I started to recognize that I was a teacher or I was supposed to be a mentor because I didn't come to that easily. Like I was just living my life in my 20s, being competitive, being a loan originator. I was teaching aerobics and, you know, just doing me, having fun on the weekends and making a ton of money. And I, my life probably, you know, it was a good life, but I wasn't necessarily like thinking I was going to end up being a teacher one day. I just, you know, was pushing my own envelopes. But I came into this as bad things occurred to me it came to me that the answers came to me in my darkest moments. In my darkest moments, I realized that God wanted me to understand the hurt of the people that he would ask me to later heal. That sounds really big, but I feel like what makes me able to do what I do today well is that I've experienced the pain of the people that are coming to me with their pain. And so instead of being that unrelatable coach that says, go read this positive quote or go do this thing. And of course, you know, I I have my beliefs in how we stay positive and we keep that broaden and build mindset. But the, the reality is life is suffering. Our human engineering is such that we are made feelers. If we were made the perfect engineering, we would be robots. We wouldn't have feelings because feelings only mess us up. 
-hmm. Feelings only slow us down, deter us, distract us, disrupt us. You know, we would be non-feeling beings. But the beauty of that we are feeling beings is the experience of the feelings. And so not to get too deep, but I feel like I am a high feeler. So I was given a strong empathy uh, gene. And I mean, really strong where like when I'm connected to people and I get on the phone and someone's not feeling good and they're really down, like my body will actually like somewhat take on that person's feelings in that I might get off that phone call actually not feeling well. And so what happens to me because of that deep empathy that I have is that I feel like I can help lighten the load. And so here's the thing I can tell everybody listening. We cannot go around conflict and we can't go under it and we can't go over it. We can only go through it. And when it's happening, you know, people say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm crying right now or whatever. And, and to me, I say, absolutely not. You know what that means? You're processing your feelings. You're going through it the way you should. Well, let that out because in a few minutes, you're going to feel lighter than you did 10 minutes ago. And that's how we process pain, you know? It isn't going around. All those people that are stuffing that stuff down, show me an angry guy and I'm going to show you somebody hurting, you know? I'm going to show you somebody that's pushing a lot of stuff inside. And so anyways, yes, I've dedicated my life now to this. I'm a, I want to just say, I am a smart business person, I think. I'm very strategic. I've, built, I've helped build multi-billion dollar banks. So the beauty of that, skill set is that I can, you know, when I showed up on November 1st in the coaching realm, I knew what everybody was thinking. Oh, great. Here comes another coach that thinks they're going to, you know, light the world on fire. And I've always just let my results do the talking. So like on November 1st, when there might've been some naysaying from other people, I just had the attitude, like, just wait, watch. In a year, in two years, in three, when I have the largest market share of coaching because I've built this and scaled it and I have the right amount of capital to carry it. And I understand the techniques that I'm teaching. People will understand and I'll be able to show, you know, by example, what I'm trying to teach other professionals to do, obviously. With bold confidence. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here I come. My first ad was ready or not, here I come. I think there's, I lean into like the haters because I just understand that that's, You know, to me, when I see somebody that's hating on somebody else, I see jealousy and I see someone that's fearful. And so if we really understand that, it's so easy to disarm a hater, I think, because most people that will hate on me, I will react in jest. I'll be like, oh, you're going to be like that. I see, you know, and then, you know, say, well, there's more of this coming or whatever, you know, like I'm not going to back down. So you need to adjust your feelings, you know, or whatever. Um, and so you get it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. I I, what I love, what I love, sorry to cut you off there. No, go ahead. What I love before we move to the next question that I just heard, and I hope our listeners really took that, is when you explain that in going through, the things you've been able to go through, it's now been able to really connect and help with other people in what you're currently doing and how you're impacting lives. If we can all hold that awareness, especially now with what the world's going through, and a lot of people have lost their jobs and a lot of people are going through extremely health and also financial challenges, um, 
this could be exactly what we need where in the future we will be able to pull from this experience and impact whoever's in our lives in that current moment. And that's kind of what I just heard you say, Christine. Yeah. You know, you're hitting upon something. When the pandemic started, I stumbled upon, I'm a ferocious reader. I just read and read and read. And I, I found this image of a 1917 hospital that was having the pandemic. And I ended up doing a bunch of posts about it because I don't think a lot of people knew there had been a pandemic in the early 1900s. But I read an entire newspaper. I found a 1917 newspaper. And one weekend for like three hours, I flipped through it and it could have been posted like literally last month and it would have not had a single word out of place because it literally was talking about social distancing. In other words, it was talking about, you know, all these things. So what was big for me in analyzing that was that God has this way of reminding us that we came into this earth all the same. We came in naked babies without things and iPhones attached to us and computers and pocketbooks and whatever else. And, you know, in some weird way, we've been stripped down right now back to that reality. And so we're surviving, you know, the simplicity that has been caused by the stripping of social stuff and all this stuff, like people have learned that if their whole reality lived in socializing, they're hurting right now because they've had that all taken away from them. Listen, I fly 40 something weeks of the year now, 21 years. And this is the longest I have not been in an airplane in my career. And I got to tell you, I guess my mindset is in that place where I'm ready to be stripped down and face that, you know, what is the basics? I have such pleasure in making dinner. I haven't cooked this much in my lifetime. And I've, I've, I love it. I love that we're breaking bread together. We're talking to each other. We're sharing stories. We're taking walks with the dogs. And it's going to be hard for me to put the pieces back together the way that it used to be, quite frankly. So I think that I think there just is for something. You, I, I think that for every, I mean, all of us, you know, um, I think that so many people, so many of us, right? And I talk about myself too, being being away, <laughs> being put away, and, and everybody at the same time, um, it has really brought back uh, what it feels like to have family time, you know, to do dinner together, to, to have that quality time, right? I personally feel that even before the pandemic, it was just such a rush, rush, rush. And then you know, you're like, well, we'll go to a restaurant or we'll go here and then we'll make it good because now we're spending time together, but we're enjoying the ambience, you know, and it's like with things that we're trying to make our time better unconsciously. Uh, but now it's not even about the things. It's just, it's just the time. That's it. Like we don't exactly. need, we don't need diamonds on top of it. You know, like all we need is the time with each other and that's it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah. It's very, very true. I will tell you one other aspect of this book that I'm, that I'm really proud of is, um, you know, I kind of unearthed, you know, looking back at, I was trying to keep a secret in, in grade school that on the weekends, my family worked in a mill. They worked in actually an asbestos mill. My mom and dad did before they knew that it was cancer causing. And they worked there for like almost 20 years. And so there was a mill in the center of this very rich town and it was water powered Anyways, the mill workers would get with each other's families on Saturday nights and they would play cards and do social things like that. 
and I would be around the kids of the other mill workers. But then we would go to school and I was in the, they had us uh, broken up by aptitude. So I was in an A group. So I was with 25 other kids, all wealthy kids. I mean, these kids at 16 were driving Alfa Romeos and I mean, just like, you know, and I would really early on try to hide it. So fifth, sixth grade, seventh grade, I, I would go to school. And when I would see the mill workers, kids, I kind of tried to stay away from talking to them. I was very, you know, young and worried that if it exposed me to everybody that, you know, I would be ousted, that my mom and dad were, you know, I was ashamed at that age. It's weird, the psychology of a child. But something happened one day that I write about in the opening of the book um, where we get to the word resilience. And I was waiting for the school bus and one of the little girls that's um, the daughter of one of my parents, mill workers, ends up getting her hat ripped off. And these two, three boys are tossing this hat over her head. And she was a special needs uh, girl. And so something happened to me. I write in the book, like before I knew it, my feet were moving, like my mind wasn't even operating. And I had jolted myself into the middle of this mess and grabbed this hat and pushed one of the boys to the ground. And I had put the hat back on the girl's head. And then I ran, I just ran. And I just kept running until I ran around the building and I was way away from the building. And I really took the time writing this story because I actually wrote that I was standing there and my feet were cold and I could see my breath and I was panting. Like I made sure in the storytelling of this book that I brought the reader to the exact spot that I'm in in that moment, like my reality. And I could hear the bus coming down the street and I knew I had to return back to the line and I was crying because like all the adrenaline that had just occurred for me had just left my body in one fell swoop. I would forever be changed because I had outed myself to the world, which was every student waiting for a school bus that I wanted to protect that special needs girl. And it would be a pivotal point in my life where as a child, I self-recognized the teacher would come around the corner and she would tell me like how great it was what I had just done. And then I would get on the school bus, but nothing could be put back in the box after that. And um, anyways, I feel like, you know, words are powerful. We have a choice in the things we write. We have a choice in the things we say. And so, you know, I've dedicated, I just launched two new e-magazines. So I, I thought that I would be doing this a year from now. And when I had nine uh, speaking gigs get canceled this spring, I decided to pull the e-magazines up. So Women With Vision is one and The Vision is another e-magazine. And I'm really proud. We already have writers coming on board. Um, we have people reaching out that want to run ads. I mean, it's becoming a whole thing. We're hiring editorial people. And I know we're going to have a powerful, we, we vetted The Vision magazine that's coming out on Monday um, with a bunch of executives in our industry and the results, the, the reviews that are coming in from these executives are amazing um, that they think this, the body of the work that we've put together is just, you know, really incredible. So I would just say to everybody, you know, I write articles about journaling your way to mental freedom. You know, until you sat down, if something's bothering you, it sounds so silly and write a deer, whatever, that may never get on earth or seen. I promise you, your words that spill out of your mind that are unspoken your whole life, they're, they're truly 
the medicine of your life. And so I'm just an advocate of that. And um, I see myself at 80 years old pushing books out, you know, like I, I feel like, you know, I don't know. And I'm challenged now because all three of those are bestsellers. So I hope that I'm going to keep, I hope that I'm going to keep. You got to keep the standard way up there. (laughs) I could see you on the cover of Women with Vision magazine, thinking of talking about covers of magazines and stuff. Absolutely. I'd love to. You just let me know. (laughs) Yeah, I sure will. I sure will. That's the fun. For for. For women that are listening and they're hearing about women with vision, who exactly is your coaching program for? Who does it serve? How can they, you know, be a part of it? Can you tell a little bit more about that? Yeah. So right now, about 70% of our students are male. And that's indicative of the fact that we work in a male-dominated field. And I have been the sales manager of 5,000 male loan officers in 30 years. So what I want to say is I built a women with vision coaching division that specializes in women's coaching. And I have kind of a different twist. So anybody can coach with us, but the, I, you know, women with vision is really my baby for women. I didn't know that I would always throw my hat into this because I had a different thing, you know, for 30 years, I did not, ever bring gender up. It was an unspoken thing. You know, I had my first interview from New York come in and it was the New York Daily News when I broke the glass ceiling for H&R Block. They had never had a woman senior vice president in the early 2000s. And I really, I actually rejected the interview because they wanted to tell a story about me being the first female. And it kind of rubbed me the wrong way because I was like, well, I didn't get here because I'm a chick. I got here because I got good results. Like the story is, you know, about that. So I would just tell you that my voice for women is very, I don't know if it's unique, but it's very strongly pointed towards getting results. So what I tell women is we are going to get respect, get promoted and be able to fight for the turf beneath our feet because we come bearing results and we're the best choice as a human being. And when you can confidently look somebody in the eye, whether it's the company that's career successing you or whoever it is, you know, I have never, I have said openly, like the guys stopped opening the door for me when they realized how competitive I was in sales because they knew I wasn't going to like, I'm like, you can give me a break, but I'm not giving you a break. So, you know, that's how that's going to roll. And I earned street respect. So, you know, when I got all the way to this age and there were other women advocacy groups, I thought, you know, I'm not going to wave necessarily. So hear me out, ladies, the women's lib flag. This is what I believe. I don't believe anybody owes us anything. And I don't believe I want to beat a guy at arm wrestling. Okay. We are not as strong as men. That's why there's women's tees at the golf range because we just aren't physically as strong. And so I'm not really in the business of trying to fight for equality. What I'm in the business of is having every single woman not be diminished, not be overlooked, not be, you know, discriminated against or manhandled or whatever that is. But that respect has to come. Women do a lot of damage to themselves. And so when I speak on huge stages, I say to women, ladies, stop sleeping with your bosses. This can be controversial. Stop sleeping with your bosses, number one. And number two, Don't expect respect unless you respect yourself and deliver results. 
if you do both of those things, if you're a respectful person, I wrote in this book, Wise Eyes, that I've never slept with my bosses. Now, I'm going to tell you something. That's a bold statement to make. And it says, the next sentence says, if there's any man that can step up and say that that's not true, let him be heard. There has been so many people that diminished my advances in my career under the guise of I was the token female or I got there this way or that way. I want the world to know I got there because I was the best choice, because I had the best results. And so I want women to own those results in a respectful way. I want to redefine how we go after ourselves. And the last thing I'll tell you is this. I think it's great to be beautiful. Like women have been putting on hats and pulling their hair back and wearing suits up to their chins because if they were beautiful, somehow that was wrong. No, we have to embrace who we are, who God put us on this earth to be. We are women. Be beautiful as we are. We can be strong as we are. We can, you know, go after the big jobs. And I say, stop hiding and stop asking for, you know, equality. I want my door open for me. You better buy my meal when I go out on a date, you know? And so that's kind of like where I'm at. And listen, not every woman's going to appreciate that point of view, but I believe that point of view will get women where they want to go. And I got to agree with you on that point of view. So, yeah, I mean... I, I also, I've always been taught you don't poop where you eat. <laughs> right. <laughs> wow. We're saying we've, we've covered all the bases on this podcast, by the way. Yes. I don't know how many rules that we've broken. <laughs> but um, they're getting real. They're getting real. <laughs> hey, this is, this is all right. real. It's, it's real, all honest. It's real life, real talk. Right. Is, is there a particular industry that uh, you serve best or is if there's listeners out there and they're in the field of insurance or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Is it still something that they can reach out to you? Is there specific niches you're focused on? Yeah. So, you know, we have our main client is mortgage and real estate uh, professionals, but we have a lot of outlier professions that are plugging into our, our, our training. Our, our virtual training was built to be entrepreneurial scaling you know, the foundational stuff and then, then, you know, very modern to take on it. It'll take you through social media and all kinds of things. So really anyone. And I would say with our women with vision division, if you're a business owner or a business professional and you just want to hone your skills, I mean, we have specialty courses that have never been done before. Like we talk about the secret weapon of empathy. We talk about the difference between male and women's voices. We talk about how to handle uh, diminishment. And so these are things that HR companies will address discrimination policy within a corporation. And of course, we want to support our corporations, but we want women coming bearing, you know, how do they negotiate for their pay? I can't tell you how many women take that course that I have in my training and they say, thank you so much. I got more than I would have if I hadn't listened to that, you know, part. And so I've kind of yeah. built a pharmacy of education where, you know, if tomorrow you got a toothache, I got something for you. But if next week it's a headache, I've got that too. And, you know, put it all together so that um, it's not just an experience. Like I want the people, or not just education, I want the people that leave my coaching firm, whether it's a year, two, five, or 10, better professionals than they came here, you know, more educated, smarter, running their businesses more efficient, efficiently. You know, vision for success is not about just production. I'll make you a high producer if you want me to make you a high producer. 
But if your life is full of production and, and wrought of richness in other ways, I'll help you with that too. We have nine executive coaches here. I'm not the only voice. I don't think, I don't want this to be the Christine Beckwith show as much as my face is all over things as the president we slowly have been removing my face from stuff. And, you know, I have a business minister. I have, a, you know, a life coach. I have an executive coach. I have a growth coach. Um, and all of these people have one thing in common. They're absolute gangsters in their own respective fields. And so if you look under the hood, if anybody wants to try to take a, a punch at 2020 and say we've got, you know, Faguzi, uh, coaches, I can tell you they're going to look under the hood and find nothing but success with these people's careers. And that's why they are confident, they are experienced, and they know how to speak to other professionals in a way that's not only believable, but connects. Um, and so anyways. <laughs> awesome. Not, I would did say- I tell you I like to talk? I don't know if that's <laughs> the part. You know, I would say that it is for women in business, entrepreneurs, yeah. right? Yeah. And who, yeah, who are in sales. And um, so I personally, I, I, I can talk about it. It's a great platform. Uh, the platform in itself is amazing. The coach, the different, the different uh, teachings, the different modules, mm -hmm. right, that, that are specific to, to the topic. I mean, I mean, I've been with 2020 for two years now, right? I'm yeah. now in the master's and um everything that comes from negotiating to time management to, and that's that, right? That's been so helpful. But other than that, it's having you and being able to have access to you um, and the other coaches and all the other great things that you guys I, have been doing. Um, it's been such an important part of my journey, um, having you and the team uh -huh. and having that support. I am, I am a believer in coaching Always. I, I think we should always be coaching and have a coach, right? Uh, so a mentor. Um, and so, yeah. Well, I'll just add one thing, Anna, in what you just said, and that's that you're a good student. And I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not an ass kisser, but I will tell you, this does not work for everyone. Coaching is not for everyone. You know, we interview people coming here and you have to be accepted into our school, just like if you were applying for college. And what we're looking for is commitment, we're looking for committed professionals. Because you know what? If you come here and you do badly, you're hurting my brand. Yeah. And so what I will tell you is that there are people that come. We don't shame you if you miss an appointment for a coaching. There's none of that going on. We're not the guys that are going to, you know, make you drop and do 50 push-ups every day. But we are going to put you through the, the races. But you got to come with a commitment level. Yours has worked because you show up and you receive and you consume, and then you take it back, and you apply it, and you put it in a tactic. You're a master, not by given opportunity, but because you earned your spot there. You did 24 course certifications. You spent the time. You showed up. And so that is not something that is freely giving. I have a lot of people that are going on year two and they're dying to get into the master's, but they got coursework to finish. And I will not open that door until you're ready to go through the, to the other side. So, you know, maybe that's different because maybe a lot of people out there would just line people up and take their paychecks, you know, take their money. Um, I just really want to prove, you know, if you have the right mentality. So, you know, to anyone that's listening, we have plenty of seats over here. Um, but you got to come ready to commit. That's it. Got to be ready to build those <laughs> muscles. That's it. 
Awesome. Well, Kevin, you got anything else? I'm good. I so much we've talked about in this little 30 minutes or so. It's so powerful. I yes. love it. Oh, Thank I mean, you for having me. I know. Now it's a pleasure. I know we're going to have Christine back plenty of times. There's so many different topics. I know you guys are working something special out for listeners of this podcast, uh, a special offer to go through these programs. So I will say if you need, can you hear us? Because I lost you there. What'd you say? (laughs) I said, I know you guys are cooking up something good for our listeners. So if they want more information, they can reach out directly to you on the social media platforms and you can point them in the right Absolutely. Direction. Yeah. We have two Facebook groups, 20 forward slash 20 vision for success coaching and women with vision, both Facebook groups. And you can reach me on Facebook messenger if you want more information and anybody that signs up uh, due to this podcast, we will give you a welcome box on steroids and a discount um, to our platform to get started uh, with one month off of the subscription. So just message us and say confident closers. Uh, and that will be your gift from us. And Anna has reaped some of the benefits of our swag. Um, we have nice, nice welcome boxes. So when I say steroids, you're going to get the whole boat. Um, and so anyways, we hope you, uh, hope you enjoyed today. We hope you took one thing away that inspired you and can be put into your life. And, uh, make magic for your future. So I, yes. I, I thank you both for having me. No, thank you. Definitely. Uh, so many nuggets shared here. My hope is that you as a listener, um, if you got anything from this conversation, um, anything you want to share, anything that, that, that just really like hit you right right where it needed to, um, make sure you share with us. I would love to be able to read your comments. I'd love to, um, and if I can make an introduction and be a connection, um, and thank you, Christine. I mean, if you guys are listening right now, this is amazing. Christine is not only just giving you guys the first month, uh, but also a swag bag on asteroids and, oh, I think I said that wrong. Steroids. Steroids. Yeah. There we go. Or asteroids. <laughs> we will we will blow it into the universe. Either so, way. <laughs> I love you, Anna. So hey. <laughs> Anyhow, so that is amazing. Thank you, Christine. Thank you, everybody who you. watched this podcast. Uh, please make sure you share and uh, just make sure you tune in next week because we have a new fresh podcast. I'm sorry, not every two weeks. All right. So um, with that said, you guys have an amazing day. Thank you, Christine. Thank you, Thank Kevin. You. And I will um, be back. We'll be back soon. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to Confident Closers. We hope you gleaned some insight and find a way to take action and make a positive change in your life today. Not tomorrow, not someday, now is the time. Learn about Anna Maria's latest projects and get social on Facebook at Confidence Closers, on Instagram at The Confident Closer. Until next time, keep that chin up, walk tall, and support the women in your life to do the same. Because together, we are strong. Thanks for listening.